It's Thursday, July 16th, and you're listening to a brand new episode of The Julian Dion Show. Today we discuss Julian's comedy show for no audience last night, the Chris Jericho versus Sebastian Bach Twitter feud, Chris Cuomo saying bullshit on air, the Daily Dose with me, Jen Grant, your comments and more, and we kick off the show with Lindsay Ferguson. Sitting around on this old couch, strumming my guitar up here in this old farmhouse. I have so many questions, I don't know where to start. Don't know if I even want to go there. It's 2020 and there's just so much plastic filling up the sea, killing you, killing me. That six-letter word, it's become too common. Capital C doesn't surprise me. Can't be heard, I don't listen, nothing means a lot Sensory deprivation over medication Can't hear right, see right, do wrong You take my joy, filling me up with gray poison in my food Taking my innocence away Too many guns, they're not emptying themselves out Same hands, could've pulled me up instead about triggers even fireworks unexpected fear they even pop pills in your beer gotta be careful gotta be on top can't take a break can't think can't breathe can't stop happiness is just a word on the tip of my tongue climb another rung get rich get higher go bigger go better spend a thousand bucks on a sweater made in china made in taiwan made in india made with love into your eyes won't get my hands dirty but i help you spread your lies what garden where does food come from i live in cement metal glass and iron Why don't we do a take Taz, wait a minute, let's start again. Hello, hello. <laughs> Hi, this is Ron Votary. This is Alex Nussbaum. This is Jason Fraser. This is Matt O'Brien. Hey, this is Ray Zwicker. All right, world. My name is Cal Post. Guys, this is Christina Walkinshaw. This is Eddie Delaseppi. This is Adrian Spencer. Uh, my name is Timo. And you're listening to the Julian Dion Comedy You're listening to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. Who am I talking to? What am I doing? Yeah, Julian That's Dion Comedy Hour? You're okay. listening to the... Comedy hour. See, I took the word out comedy, changes the meaning completely, doesn't it? Not really, I'm overworking, but days in the holidays, happy holidays. You're listening to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. Now broadcasting live and totally uncensored, eh? <laughs> from Lemon Press Studio in the beautiful Gatineau Hills. Beautiful. <laughs> 
project. I was like half asleep on the couch, and now I'm projecting. Hey, everyone. This is Christian Potenza. This is Gay Trevor Wilson. This is John Paul, a.k.a. the Island Hipster. Hashtag hipster business. This is Steph Tola. Hey, this is Jake Goldsby. This is Sky Wallace. Hey, everybody. This is Erica Sigurdsson, a.k.a. Ricky Six. Okay, hello. Hi. This is Howard Wagman. Hey, this is Peter Anthony, the PA System. This is Matt O'Brien. Some people like to, that's my rap name. This is Jen Grant, and you're listening to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. <laughs> Show you and me below, just like the flowers, laughing all day long. People, I need to lose. Sing a little song, then take a shower. Julian Dion. It's, it's a show. It's not an hour. It's a show. It's okay. I'm almost there. Yeah, buddy. Hey, buddy. All right. Welcome to the Julian Dion Show. We are live on a Thursday, Thursday, July 16th. 1 6. 1 6. New stylistic choice I'm doing. <laughs> one six. Going individual digits. <laughs> July 1 6 in the 2 0. 2020. <laughs> Broadcasting, of course, live from Lemon Press Studios in the beautiful Gatineau Hales. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey. Gen Z Poo New New. That's right, New New. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, everybody. We are live, of course, on Facebook. As we are, Mondays through Fridays, it's 7 a.m. That's right. No breaks. That's right. And available on demand wherever you get your podcasts. As of uh, 9.30 Eastern. Sigida. Sigida. A sigga sigga. The pre-show song was by Lindsay Ferguson once again. That song just gets out. It's trying to. You know, I have a small bank of songs I choose from either performances, well, pretty much all performances that were done on the podcast at Lemon Press Studios, or songs that the artists have personally given me rights to, given me rights to play. So, mm. Lindsay, uh, that was Siren, which was released about, what, six weeks ago, maybe? Something Ish. like that. And I was going through the 
the songs to choose, and I try to mix it up as much as possible. I don't have a tremendous selection yet, so. Um, but I really wanted something. That song gets me moving. Oh my god, it's just can't help but. Uh, so I wanted a little little juice. So that was Siren by Lindsay Ferguson, available anywhere streaming music is streamed. I thought you were saying anywheres. You anywheres. Know people say that that song's available anywheres. Yeah, I feel like uh, New Brunswick. That's a New Brunswick thing. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not exclusively New Brunswick it's thing, cute. but uh, it's adorable. Anywheres music is available. It's you can get Siren by Lindsay Ferguson. The only issue with that song is it's not long enough. It's two and a half minutes, and you're just getting into it, and then it ends. And also, I don't get time to share everything <laughs> selfishly. So, what is the average uh, song length? That I have here, mm-hmm. three, three and a half. Oh, interesting. I wonder if that was like a conscious decision of hers to make it shorter. I wonder. Well, I wonder. She might be watching. She often watches uh, from, uh, where do they live? Sweden? No. Switzerland. Switzerland. I always get my Scandinavian countries mixed up. How dare you? She was a Wakefield uh, Wakefielder for many years and now in Switzerland. Lindsay Ferguson, everybody check her out. How'd you sleep, Gen Z Poo? Slept pretty good. Not long enough, but actually not bad. Yeah, it was a late night. I had a show yesterday. Yeah. Did a show for no audience in Gatineau at the beautiful Odyssey Theater. It's honestly one of the nicest theaters in Quebec. It's one wow. theater of the year in Quebec for many years. Because it's a nice theater, theater, but also the crew, uh, the, it's is second to none. They're they're just the best people there. So that was the audience. Oh, it was nice. three camera guys, a sound guy, a loud lighting guy, and the the producer. Tell us what it was like to perform to no audience in the crowd. Was it weird? Be it, honest. It wasn't weird. No, I'll be honest. I was really nervous because I didn't know what to expect. And so it's this beautiful theater and they had uh, light bulbs for each seat, like these old-fashioned bulbs, like farmhouse Interesting. kind of bulbs on top of each seat. Why? Dimmed. I don't know, just to create ambiance. Oh, Why? That's, oh, that's cool. No, no. <laughs> so like serious and official. Why? No, it's interesting. Like, why would they? I don't know. Just a. It's that's a nice. Stylus. So how many bulbs? Yeah, I didn't count, but the first three rows maybe had four or five rows had Aww, bulbs on them. That's nice. That was really nice. That was my opener. I said, "Wow, great crowd tonight. You're really lit up." Mm-hmm. And then now I with the audience. Okay, go ahead. At the. Uh, you're so serious this morning, official. Now with the audience, uh, why? Whatever. Why would you? T- I stop. And uh, another line that uh, Julien Tremblay, my co-host for my French podcast, had suggested. I said, uh, did you guys call each other on the phone? You seem to all be wearing blue because all the seats were blue. Mm. And so, yeah, it was fun. But like, I'm just wondering, does the audience watching at home, do they know that about the theater? Yeah. How do they know? The I, the the because there's three cameras. Oh, and then they show it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Will they? Would the camera guys show it depending on what you're saying too? Are they that ad- like adaptable? Oh yeah, yeah. They're on the fly. These guys are pros. So I kept referring to one camera. I'm like, we'll call this guy Camera C. He was the close guy. So I I kept calling for Camera C, and I talked directly to him. 
I had, I, you know what? I had a lot of fun because there's no audience. Sometimes you take risks on stage and they don't pay off because, well, people don't laugh. So it's fun to be able to take risks and not know whether it's working or not. You don't really care. Hmm. It was uh, streaming on the internet and it's still up, which is annoying. I wish, I hope they delete it. But anyway, because it was a very loose set and, and you know. So uh, Alexandre Bizayon, my good friend and the host of the show, was hosting the show. And Neve, another buddy and um, great comic, was uh, also on the show. We were each doing 25 minutes. And uh, they had comments on a big screen. So you could see like where the balcony is. Mm-hmm. Balcony is. There's a big screen, so so they would put comments up there. So you kind of had interaction. Hmm. But uh, Alex started off very loose and fun, and so I was like, Ugh. my manager told me, you know, just do old material, stick to what you know, and just go there, kind of on autopilot mode. And uh, Alex went up, and he was having a blast. He was doing crowd work with an audience at home, leaving comments with a 30-second delay. It was hilarious, and it was actually working. So, And he was funny and talking about the pandemic a little bit. And, and you know, he did some older bits too, but so I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to have fun. And it's funny, but when you've been doing some things, I've been doing stand-up for 14 years, and you're so nervous beforehand. I've never taken four months off. And so I was kind of freaking out. But as soon as you hit the stage, it all really comes back. Yeah. I had the set list written out. I wrote some things. So I just started out by addressing what was happening in the room and uh, did some crowd work by getting camera C up and close and, and getting right in it and like talking to the people at home. And I had a lot of fun, a lot of feed, a lot of positive feedback from the crew. The crew was really into it. And, uh, yeah, my manager was mad at me, though, for some reason. But, anyway, because hmm. I didn't stick to his plan of mm. just doing old crowd, like, my old material. Well, you know, it's easy for him to say when he's not the one performing. I mean, there's a fine line, right? Uh, how much can a manager suggest to an artist? Like, well, when does it start being, like, he's driving the car and you're just his, like, you know ploy like just go and do you know yeah and the thing is uh, first of all i got the job done okay uh great feedback from everybody could hear everyone laughing the other comics the crew everybody the cameraman like usually cameramen don't laugh and mm-hmm. the guy the camera see was talking to was like uh, laughing hysterically the whole time and so i'm like you know i felt really good about it and i get off and i get a text from my manager being like well you really didn't do what i talked about that's really too bad i'm like jesus i mean like where where does this advice come from it's never happened before where are you basing your advice on which experience it's never happened before that any we've had to do a show for no audience right. that's live streamed on the internet i mean who's to say your tech your technique or your your um, method approach is better mm-hmm. for what where do you get that info it's yeah. never happened before. So I, w- I played with it. Um, the comments were all positive. Yeah. Liter- literally across the board, everybody was like laughing emojis. Oh my God, so solid. This, And I still did material. I did some of my, my tried and true bits in there, but I had fun and took chances and took risks. Yeah. And that's what stand-up is supposed to be. You're supposed to be authentic in the moment and take chances on stage. What's the point of going up there in autopilot mode and doing everything I know would work and not getting any feedback? And it's, you know, I feel like it, had I done old material, I would have been stiff and stale. And 
And uninspired. Pe- uninspired. And people can tell when you're doing that. So I feel like I wouldn't have gotten a response from the crew. That would have made me freeze up even more. You know what? Forget it. I was just having a blast. I, I really had a lot of fun as soon as I walked out. And people can feel that. Yes. They can feel it. And and I would say that, you know, having done a bunch of TV, I, the only thing I can relate it to is being online is, is doing television. And when you watch as a viewer from home, stand up on a TV or say on your computer, it you lose that dynamic of being live. Obviously, stand up is the best when it's live because you can pick up on that energy. Everybody's excited. There's you know, connection with the performer. Yeah. You lose a layer of connection when you're at home watching on a screen. And a lot of times it doesn't really work. Like it's okay. It's good. It's good, obviously. Like Netflix, there's so many successful comedy shows on there. And and it's been done for years and years and years. But if you can be authentic and then translate that and acknowledge the situation, that's confidence in a performer too. And people can pick up on that whether yeah. at home or in the theater. Yeah, totally. And it's like, you know what? I've, I've, I was going to do what I was going to do to, to try to make this happen and, and be as much as success, success as possible. And yeah. Uh, and at the it, end of the day, you have to feel good about what you did too. Yeah, it was just too bad to get off stage and get that. T- like I, I just literally took my phone out of my pocket because I was timing myself to that text and I'm like you can't say one positive thing first and then maybe say oh you should have done like mm-hmm. anyway. so I was fighting with my manager all night which it's too bad because I was really having fun and uh, anyway yeah too bad I mean who gives a shit it's, it was all like you didn't say what uh, you didn't do what I told you to do and mm. it's I, t- I told you two things to do you didn't do those things it's like uh, really I mean who cares Mm-hmm. It clearly got the job done, and the big uh, producer there, the big uh, Booker guy, came to because we had individual green rooms because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Came after and goes, I have to say that was really brilliant. You, you, it was so much fun to watch, and you did exactly what you should have done. See. Meanwhile, my manager's like, "You didn't do what I told you. You didn't do my. I told you two things. You weren't ready. Ready for what? Doing a sh- my first show back after four months. Sure, I did a crowd, uh, uh, showed an audience in the backyard there. But for, I found out about this gig less than twenty four hours beforehand, and and ready for what? Performing for no audience? Yeah, you know what? Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna rant too much, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Ultimately, it was a blast, and uh, thank you f- to La Sala DC in uh, Gatineau for just uh, being true pros. It was excellent. Yeah, really well done, and it's oh, uh, awesome. It felt, you know, I've had corporates that were harder with an audience, mm-hmm. so it really wasn't that bad. And I thought uh, twenty-five minutes. I'm like, geez, that means I'll have to do like forty minutes of material because there's no laughs. But it flew by. Mm. I didn't get to nearly everything on my set list because you know what? I took chances and was in the moment. So I did a lot of uh, just commenting on the situation or or the, in the room and talking to the text. It was just really a lot of fun. And oh, that's good. Uh, it was so funny too because while I'm on stage, I'm thinking, oh, my manager's going to love this because he's watching at home. And no. <laughs> <laughs> you can't please these people. I mean... yeah. Had I done exactly what he told me, 
I would have probably I wouldn't have had as much fun. It would have come across that way. It wouldn't it would have been like you know maybe a C plus, but he would have been happy because I did exactly what he told me. It's like mm-hmm. come on, whatever. I feel like he thinks maybe that he knows what you need to do in order to be successful, but people until you actually do stand up, you cannot tell stand-ups exactly what to do because we are doing something really intense up there Mm -hmm. you're the one standing on that stage and i mean why did you get into stand-up so you can have some like like most of us left jobs and bosses and offices because we wanted independence and to have a voice and to be able to express and be creative and be free so now you're gonna go out and and be told what to do by someone and and my point is yeah, exactly. And my point is, what what's you said? He's probably telling me what to do to be as successful as possible. Based on what? What other shows has he given advice to people? Successful advice without an audience streaming mm. for the internet. It hasn't been done before. It's a first time thing. So it's you can't give the same advice as a room full of people. True, but I would hazard to say, regardless of the context, you. He needs to pull the rain, like he needs to stop trying to control what you're doing so much. It's really nice to have a cheerleader. It's really nice to have someone who cares about you and gives cheerleader you a Cheerleader just brings me down. There's no cheerleading. Right. No, but in other situations, you know, being there for you, watching you, yeah. saying, oh, uh, can I make a suggestion? Because I have all these years in the business. Uh, try to do this, try to do that. Fine. Some of that. But at some point you're over. It's kind of like being an overprotective parent or one of those like crazy you know, soccer moms or ho- hockey parents in the in the uh, bleachers, like you know, getting angry and trying to control everything too much. Yeah, like you have to be you, and and I don't think any I don't think anyone can say that the most inspired performance or creative expression comes from anybody who's oh it's tell me more about how this was such an incredible show well i had um this puppeteer at backstage telling me what to do the whole time and making me do this like that's not where good art comes from i don't no one no one's no 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 and it's such just a negative cloud over such a positive experience positive across the board I could hear the other comics like in the and that's what kept me going and made me have fun there on my stage right could hear them laughing all the texts I mean such a positive fun experience and such a wet blanket mm-hmm. it's like man come on get a grip well maybe it was a blessing in a way to see those juxtaposition you know like he obviously doesn't get it like to have such an awesome set yeah all this incredible feedback and the person who's you know professionally supposed to be in your corner the most is like that it's like oh you don't get me you don't get it you know um and and i remember hearing like maybe he oh laura stewart says uh sounds like it's time for a new manager (laughs) but it just i don't know i i would be i bet you it's it's one of those jobs being a manager or an agent that has to be so like there's probably not that many good ones out there. Like yeah. in terms of getting get going together as a team, kind of like when you work in a restaurant. I've worked in many restaurants a lot um, in the years, and so have you. The there's very few very good 
restaurant managers without the ego and mm-hmm. want to lead in from the right motivation rather than like, I need to look cool here. I need to be the boss. I need to feel like I'm in charge of you. I've had friends like that too, where we end up not being friends after a while because they always need to be the alpha or they always need to be in control. That's like, what it is. Yeah. It's an ego alpha thing. It's yeah. like, and you know what? So then I was adrenaline all night. I went to bed at like 1 a.m. I had should to take some melatonin because I was like uh, adrenaline from the show. And I went on the Facebook page of the Salad C. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to rewatch this. It was still up there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to see. And uh, if I was to see any other comic do that, I'd be like, oh my God, this is great. Like this person, I- I'm trying to not sound too... Uh, 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 like toot my own whistle or whatever the expression is, but uh, I don't think anyone's going to think that. If I saw any other comic do that, I'd be like, "Oh, this is actually fun to watch. He's taking risks. Like it, uh, you know, it was just fun." And you cannot hear really the crew laughing. A couple times you can, but they were laughing throughout the whole thing. So maybe he was seeing that and no laughs. He was like, "Hey," but I th- it really was the the whole basis of his argument was you didn't listen to me. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Here's yeah, but what, I still got the job done and then some. Yeah. Here's an example. Dave Chappelle, 846. Like, if he were early... It, somebody who is used to just seeing, like, comedy might have said to him, make sure you're funny. Like, make sure you go up there and do nonstop jokes. Like, everybody knows you for... Com- well, then, if he had listened to that, he never would have done 846, which is very uh, profound meaningful a lot of times when people do some of the best work creatively and as a performer and artist is they're doing things that are not like expected they're doing things that are they're listening to their their gut and their intuition and their authenticity Mm -hmm. instead of being like like imagine if the crew is not laughing because they can sense you're doing material you've done a bunch of times and you're not into it and your heart's not into it what do you think people at home are going to feel? They're going to feel exactly. that. And the thing is, too, I've performed in that room a bunch of times, and it's the same crew. And every show I've done, it's always like, don't do the same material as last time. It's the same crowd, same, not not same, they never say same crew, but it's the same audience often. So they know a lot of my material. Mm-hmm. So what was I going to go do? Go there and do my, anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, your throat. <laughs> I don't, well, I mean, to be clear, you're not doing the show for the crew, and I know that that's not what you're saying. But. No, no, no. But Yeah, but people can sense that energy. Like, the, you're, yeah, but, you're already I'm missing not, a connection from home. Like, uh, when people are watching at home, you're missing that, like, ability to connect like you would with a live crowd. And then on top of that, you're being fake. Had I not, no, no, I'm not doing the show for the crew, but had I done my autopilot stuff and they wouldn't have reacted nearly as much, I feel, it would have affected my energy and how it came across on on camera. I maybe wouldn't have had fun, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, right. Not that it's for them, but I just mean like... Also, isn't it kind of weird to not acknowledge what's happening? Like if somebody's watching it from home, isn't it kind of strange to just like watch it and be like, why isn't he addressing what's happening? Yeah. Like, why, what, like, couldn't they just go and watch clips somewhere else of you doing the same material? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I agree with Laura. Sounds like it might be time for. Well, whatever. To we'll, think uh, to think about it. About or it. talk or talk communicate yeah, about but I, it. I, I mean, he's, he kept just saying, uh, "We'll talk tomorrow. We'll talk tomorrow." I don't feel like talking today and getting shit on again about why I should have listened to him. It's yeah, like like, like uh, mm-hmm. I have to have that talk now. You know what I want to happen? What? I want the person who's in charge at that theater to contact him and, and tell him how much he loved it. Yeah, we'll see if that happens. Anyway, regardless of all that, I wanted to come on here and say how fun it was because I'm sure people were curious. I talked about it yesterday about what it was like to do a show without an audience and ultimately it really wasn't as bad as, as I thought. Actually, the opposite. I, it was fun. I did not know what to expect. I thought the timing would be off, the rhythm, and it was just, uh, it was fun. It was totally, totally fun. It kind of reminded me of three, two or three years ago, I did that show in the dark uh, at Comedy High in Quebec City, where it was a pitch black theater, Hmm. couldn't see anything at all, the audience is sitting in the dark, there's no lights, there's just glow-in-the-dark strips backstage. The green room was upstairs and you walk downstairs and it's all these glow-in-the-dark strips. You couldn't, you weren't allowed to bring your phone in any, any, or anything. You kind of feel around. The other comics are there. They're like, who's that? And I'm like, Julian Dion. And then so when, and when, the host, <laughs> when the host was on stage introducing you, you would have to walk out behind her, touch her shoulder so she knew you were there. Oh my God, that's freaky. You really can't see, I mean, you can't see anything. It wasn't like, oh, you could kind of see nothing. I mean, your hand in front of your face, nothing. And so That's she starts, cool. yeah, so she starts introducing me. I walk to to the middle of the stage. You know, usually you only walk out once they, they say your name at the end and you get the music. But here I'm standing on stage with her, but the audience has no idea. And then she introduces me. She walks off. And, um, and so that show, I did not know what to expect, and I, there were zero nerves because I realized that the f- the biggest fear of stand-up is, is the fear of people watching you fail with their eyes. It's all visual, the fears. I, I had zero, I'd never felt that in, at that point, 12 years. I'd never felt completely no fear at all, like just zero, because yeah. it all stems from people watching you fail and watching you be vulnerable on stage and downward spiral. You want to avoid that, so when it's not going well, you, you get scared of the silence. You you kind of try to wiggle your way out of it, but wiggle your way out of it. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, Yesterday was kind of the same thing. I was nervous beforehand, but then when I started, I'm like, oh, there's no audience here, so there's no gauge. You know, if the MC goes out and he's killing, then you get really nervous because it's like, okay, I got to step it. I got to, I, I can't phone it in. But there's no audience. There's none of that feedback or gauge live in the moment. So a lot of my anxiety has just melted away. I didn't even think hmm. much of it. It was just kind of like, all right. Well, let's do this. And it was just really a ton of fun. So, And it was good to uh, do a show. So technically my second show, four months, after four months. Two weeks ago I did uh, that backyard show, or last week or two weeks ago, whatever. And then yesterday no audience. So it's all this new, new, new normal, different circumstances comedy. But it's good to just do something and talk into a microphone. I have not done anything. 
You've been doing all these shows. All these shows, too. Wow. I have two next week. That's what I mean. I guess, well, I'm thinking they're coming up, too. So, yeah, you're you're doing, you're booked. Well, if I'm finding the French side of things. I haven't done an English show yet or book, been booked in English. The French... Uh, Are more... Well, it's kicked off, yeah, right away. I mean, there's a comedy club opening. There's two comedy clubs in Montreal that are open. Uh, I'm doing one uh, on next Friday and one a Thursday because I have to practice this uh, TV taping in August. So, um, yeah, it's starting up. These ones will have an audience. These will be the closest to a normal show as possible. It's social distance social socially distant show and everything and there's like plexiglass between the stage and the audience but um at least there's an audience yeah we'll see well apparently um the clubs are opening this weekend here yeah oof the cat pooped in the litter box and it's grossing me right out go uh, get it light an incense stick oh i have to do you mind no no i've got oh, one. Oh my god just go do it quick i'm gonna throw up just yeah, do it quick if you could. Anyway, so that's my uh, stand-up with no audience experience, which was, uh, like I said, surprisingly uh, fun and into it. We'll check your comments in a minute when Jenny comes back and we'll do the uh, Daily Dose, but I want to talk about a couple things that are trending right now for wrestling fans and... Um, Metal fans, this morning, it's happening right now. Hold on. I just need to look up one quick fact here. Switching gears. By the way, we are live on Facebook. Leave us your comments. Give us a share. And uh, did you go to the bathroom? No. Oh. Jeez. I, I thought I heard the bathroom. I, I did. Well, I mean, you're, you're going to take this time to run all your errands? Errands? <laughs> All right, are you back? Oh my god! How long does it take to light an incense stick and s just? Oh my god! Well, I didn't have them in my pocket. <laughs> For fuck's sakes! <laughs> the censor. For fuck's why? Uh, so metal fans and wrestling fans will be delighted to uh, changing gears completely to something more fun. I love celebrity Twitter feuds. Okay. And there's one happening right now. Between between Sebastian Bach, mm -hmm. who we know, uh, a frontman for um, Skid Row. Mm -hmm. He's Canadian, by the way. I didn't know that. But Oh, it doesn't have a live thing here on the screen. Like, usually it has the live with the oh. number of people Oh, watching. It's not there. Can anyone hear us right now? Right now. Can oh it, what was can that accent? Please stop making fun of me. Fun of me? No, stop. baby. There's, there's, it's, there's 18 people watching. Oh, weird. It, it doesn't, live. doesn't show here. I'll show you. I'll send you a screenshot. Well, no. Let's move on because okay, it says it there's 18 people. Okay. Yeah, Mark Sarazan says uh, yes. It's working. All right. Everyone says yes. All right. Anyway, Sebastian Bach uh, and uh, Chris Jericho. So wrestling fans and metal fans will be delighted that there's a Twitter feud this morning. Uh, Chris Jericho of, um, of course, WWE, mm -hmm. megastar. And I didn't even know this. He's in a band called Fozzy Rock. F-O-Z-Z-Y Rock or Z-Z-Y. 
Anyway, so someone this morning, it's happening right now in real in real time. I, these guys aren't sleeping. I don't know what, what the hell they're doing, but, <laughs> uh, and I think they're on like on the West Coast. It's like, anyway, so shit, it's happening so fast. Let me see what, uh, <laughs> so basically people have been telling Chris Jericho as of late that he looks like Sebastian Bach. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I'll be able to cover this because it's moving so fast. Anyway, so, okay, let me see. I'm sorry, it's kind of disjointed here because... um, Can you just tell us something? Yeah, so someone said... uh, Oh, shit, can you just... What? Hold on one sec. Uh, 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 uh. You're sensey this morning. I don't know. Let's Mm -hmm. do a poll and see who's sensey. Uh, man, I am Chris Jericho is starting to look like Sebastian Bach, someone said. And then, you know what? I think I'll have to maybe report on it tomorrow because there's so many tweets now compared to this morning. Oh, and you can't find the original? Well, no, it's like because they're fighting as we speak. But what is the fight about? He doesn't like to be called that he looks like him? Yeah, so someone said, oh uh, I want to find the exact wording. So, so someone pointed out that Chris Jericho looks like... Um, Sebastian Bach and Sebastian Bach said like nice but this guy uh you know lip syncs or something like that. Oh okay. And uh shit, I had it all so lined up. So now it starts like like it started off being one thing but it then started off being like this innocent like hey uh, Chris Jericho's looking like Sebastian Bach and Sebastian Bach's like fuck that. I you know one thing the only thing is I sing live and then uh, Chris Jericho said, hi, I'm Chris Mini Vanilli Jericho because he said, uh, oh, here, if I open a tweet, I'm I'm not I'm good at Twitter. So like they're just having this fight. I wonder, do they not already not like each other? Or? Uh, I guess uh, Chris Jericho is a fan of Sebastian Bach, but um, said, uh, that's a great cri- clip of you actually singing live because all of them have uh, seen clips. Are you miming to a tape? Congrats on the radio hits and your hair is certainly... Oh, shit. It just disappeared again. This is go- going so fast. Hmm. Uh, anyway, I should have... Is it weird to print tweets? Maybe I should have printed them. No. And Especially if this happens, obviously. Okay, let's see if I can find... The original. Okay, I'm going to go on Chris Jericho's thing. Okay. Bear with me here, peeps. I'm trying to give you guys all the dirt on the Chris Jericho, Sebastian Bach Twitter feud that's literally happening right now. I never go on Twitter. I do just strictly for the show. No, but it's still very much a thing. And remember when Twitter was really popular, everybody was on it. And now it's still very popular, but for some reason I just don't think of going on it. Okay, so it started with someone tweeting to Sebastian Bach that he looks like Chris Jericho, or vice versa, Chris Jericho, right? And then Chris Jericho, or Sebastian Bach said, every single day for the last two or three years, somebody tells me this, with the little emoji of like the hand on the chin, like thinking, which is a weird choice, but... And then Chris Jericho goes, good looking guys are good looking guys. What else can I say, dude? It all starts fine. And then, uh, where did it go, Ari? (laughs) 
Um, Sebastian Bach goes, he definitely does. Man, Chris Jericho is starting to look like uh, every single day. You parted too much. Jericho has you beat. Okay, this is where it turned sour. Somebody called uh, with the Twitter handle Captain Howdy went, uh, you parted too much. Jericho has you beat, meaning that Sebastian Bach looks rough. And he goes, Sebastian Bach opens the feud here by going, he definitely does, considering that he mimes to a tape. Mm. Meaning he has me beat. And so uh, someone goes, "Uh uh-oh, do you want to go? You don't want to go there, man. And then with a meme of, you just made the list. Chris Jericho saying, you just made the list. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Sebastian Bach replied, this happened an hour ago. Yeah, I, st- I started in a television, sh- television show called VH1 about 15 years ago before you posted this meme. And then they're going back and forth, you know, and then this guy goes, you know, he tours with his band, right? I've seen him live a couple of times, meaning Chris Jericho, he's not lip syncing. And then Sebastian Bach goes, cool, let's see a clip of that then, because every single cli- clip I've seen, he's mini vanilli. Mm. Who we remember from the 90s of being one of the first people to get busted for. Mm-hmm. And then oh, I want to get Chris Jericho's first tweet. So it was like a fan who, yes. who started this fight. It wasn't even them. Yeah. and then, Interesting. Like it could have been totally fine. And then Chris Jericho says, you, t- I want to, f- why can't I find the stupid tweet? Anyway. He goes, you open something along the lines of, all right, you want to go there? Fine. Yes, you, quote, start on a show along with 59 other people. And then he goes, uh, Sebastian Bach says, that's great. There's a clip of you actually singing live because all I see are clips of you miming to a tape. Uh, I'm not. Oh, it's- then Chris Jericho goes, hi, I'm Chris Vanilli Jericho. I have five top 30 singles in the last five years with my band Fozzy Rock. I'm a huge fan of Sebastian Bach, dot, dot, dot. Who had three top singles, top thirty singles, thirty years ago? I always admired him as a singer and a friend, and still do. Anyway, I'm butchering this story because it happened so fast. This morning, I had it all laid out, and since then, there's been a bunch of tweets. So they're just fighting nonstop. Also, my favorite video of all time, favorite performance of two most gifted and greatest rock metal singers in one room. Anyway, whatever. I thought this would be a fun thing to go over, but it's uh, too disjointed. Maybe I'll recap tomorrow when it's old news and nobody cares anymore. It's amazing. Okay, and then Chris Jericho's. I never minded anything ever. Mimed anything ever. I don't use uh, asterisks, asterisks, asterisks in a tweet ever. I will fucking sing in your face anytime, any place, dude. This escalated quickly for the morning. This was one hour ago. I've been a fan and a defender of you since day one, but you don't ever question my rock abilities. But don't you ever question my rock abilities and leave wrestling out of this. I can hit a G4, bruh. Whatever that means. Then Sebastian Bach, just now, 51 minutes ago, goes, it's amazing that you regurgitate my own tweet about copying me in your own tweet. It's like the exact same tweet. Explain this clip, please advise. Anyway, it's childish thing for grown men in their 50s, but for some reason, I love this shit. Social media for you. Well, it's also, it's not about death or, uh, you know. That's true. It's just like, it's like, it's the reason I like shows like Too Hot to Handle. 
This is the too hot to handle. This is the trash TV of the internet right now. Mm-hmm. Just watching this, these two people go at it. Yeah. And uh, these insecurities flying left, right, and center just because, I don't know, shifting gears again. I wish this- I knew more about either one of those people. Well, Chris Jericho is a huge wrestling star for the past 25 years. Who's a bigger star out of the two of them? I know it's two different categories, but... I would say Chris Jericho probably because, well, if you look at their Twitter followers, Chris Jericho has 3 million, Sebastian Bach has 400,000. Sebastian Bach, I mean, was the... It was just longer ago. He was the front man of, oh, okay. from, of Skid Row from like 87 to 96, I What's think. his name again? Sebastian? Sebastian Bach. So was he was he... on Celebrity uh, Rehab. Oh, okay. Was he the... the one that keeps getting told that he looks like him? Oh, not Celebrity Rehab. Celebrity Boot Camp. Remember that show? Yes. He was on with the long yeah, hair. Yeah, right, right, right. He's the one that keeps... Uh, Chris Jericho now, who's get... he's younger than, than Sebastian Bach, uh, keeps... People are telling him recently... The last few years that uh, he's starting to look like Sebastian Bach. And okay. Sebastian Bach yeah. is like, oh it's yeah, I've been, context, I've been yeah. getting that. Um, I've been getting that every day for the two, past two, three years. And then someone, it, it was all amicable. Chris Jericho is like, yeah, well, good guys, good looking guys are good looking guys, bro. What do yeah. you want? And then this fan goes, Jericho's got you beat if he's partied too much. And then Sebastian Bach just went on. Yeah, well, he, he lip syncs. And then <laughs> Chris Jericho, I'm assuming, must be fit. Is he fit? Yeah, yeah, he's a bodybuilder. He's a wrestler. Bach, there's no. I'm assuming he's not fit. No, he looks terrible. Well, then, I, he's obviously going through something. Yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> no, he's lived a hard life, Sebastian Bach. Yeah. Um, Dave. Dave just said something really funny. Dave McKay. What's up? I will sing in your face. Has to be the least threatening threat ever. Uh, actually, or the most <laughs> I will threatening sing thing. In your face. Most threatening thing ever during COVID pandemic. Yeah, true. I will sing right in your face without a mask. Moistly. Yeah. So anyway, I found that really entertaining, and I could read that shit forever, especially that it's happening right now in real time. You can. I. I wonder if it's also because we're in a pandemic that that they have time to do that like probably what the hell aren't they a little bit embarrassed to be affected by it like that like i don't know also that he just went off like aren't you wouldn't you like to just at least pretend you're too busy to give a shit what somebody's saying about you yeah exactly but and i have to say that it's funny because it was all triggered by a fan like somebody not even what what the other one said it was just right Somebody said, "Well, he's got you beat," and then he just got all, "Oh yeah, well he 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 mimes. He's a mini vanilla." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it makes uh, Sebastian look yeah petty, and very insecure. insecure, very insecure. I'd have to say I don't know. They're both huge stars. I mean, you know, back in the day, Sebastian Box selling arenas and fronting this band, whereas Chris Jericho is ne- is uh, I I'd say Chris Jericho is probably more famous. Hmm. Uh, anyway, Chris Cuomo, I want to play this quick. Speaking of Chris's... Can I just say before we switch uh, gears? Yeah. Um, I've heard a lot of people, when I listen to podcasts and interviews and stuff lately, I've noticed that a lot of people are completely uh, actively deleting their apps for social media because of the toxicity out there. And I've heard that as quite a theme with a lot of 
for well, I imagine it happens a lot with celebrities because, or even just people in the in the public eye because yeah. You can get sucked down a rabbit hole. And I think no matter what you say to yourself, oh, I'm not going to go there. Like, it's really hard not to. I know. It's really hard not to. And I see a lot of people actively choosing not to, to indulge in it, not to go there. Because imagine, like, the more famous you get and people are just saying shit. Like, we have this precious time in our lives and we're going to spend it like reading about what some twit thinks of you. You don't even know them. Like they're not important in your life. Yeah. I know this, this social media has always been kind of toxic. Like never before, before the pandemic, never had I, did I go on Facebook or Twitter or fill in the blank and feel better after scrolling. Mm-hmm, exactly but now it's worse it's not that i feel better i feel seething hatred mm-hmm. towards what for what exactly why that energy yeah simon says uh do tell us when decline an offer to become a wrestling manager do you understand what that means tell us when tell us when decline an o- offer to decline become, yeah to become a wrestling manager Maybe it's just a typo and I don't understand. I think he's trying to tie in the first story in this, maybe. That's what I was wondering. But uh, I just want to play. So, can we, uh, can I say this? Yeah. 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 Chris Cuomo uh, from CNN, who you know, Mm -hmm. brother of Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, uh, said bullshit on live TV. This is the big news Mm. this morning. Saucy. in reference to Trump promoting Goya beans. Remember I showed yesterday, talked about the Ivanka Trump Goya Foods Mm -hmm. endorsement, which is, you know, raising uh, ethical red flags. Trump did the same thing. He posted a picture of himself with four or five Goya Foods canned food items in front of him and the double thumbs up that he does. So Chris Cuomo had this to say about it. I'll show the video and, uh, of course, the audio for our... I'm not going to play the whole thing, just the minute clip that's uh, going viral this morning. Okay. The big thing is, oh my God, he said bullshit in live TV. Meanwhile, someone called him um, Fredo last from- fall. Yeah, from uh, God, The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Because he's Andrew Cuomo's little brother and stuff, and he he like he's like I'll fucking throw you down these stairs right now. Because he was in front of his family, he was out and whatever. But anyway, so this is uh, Chris Cuomo yesterday, last night, talking about Trump. And I don't care what you think about CNN or whatever. This is just an interesting clip. You tell me how a president in the middle of a pandemic has got time for this bullshit? Whoa. Are you kidding me? Hawking products and goy. I don't care who it is. Yeah. Resolute desk. This is what he's resolute about. Pandemic priorities. His daughter, Ivanka, top White House advisor. Are you kidding me? He probably wanted to say, <laughs> yeah, are you yeah, yeah, yeah. kidding me? There's no way he didn't want to say fucking kidding me now. Yeah. Um, I, I can see how that can happen. Like, this is such a silly example, but I remember 
there's a show on CBC called The Debaters on radio, and I was doing it, and it, they always tell you, you know, like, well, you, you write something, and then you, it's like stuff happens in the moment, but mostly you have an idea of what you're going to say. They always tell you, for CBC in general, always write stuff that you think your grandmother would like. Picture your grandmother's watching it. So it has to be really clean. And I was debating with another comedian who, oof, he's one of these kind of guys that can really push your buttons and he I'm debating this topic about extinction with him and we're back and forth back and forth back and forth and he pissed me off so much that in the afternoon during a CBC radio debaters recording I said the f word and the whole crowd went (gasps) and then but I can see how it happens I wasn't supposed to do it but it ended up being a funny moment but did they leave it in? Because it's pre-taped, those things. They left it in, but they bleeped it out. And then they heard the big laugh of the audience afterwards. Because everybody knew what I had done was, oh no, she said, fuck. That's so annoying. Everybody says fuck in their lives. Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. And it's this big shocker when people say, this too. I mean, this is live. But there's a delay. They could have cut it, like dumped it easily. But they left it in. I mean, it's not that bad bullshit. Mm-hmm. But you can say you can tell he really His wants daughter to say Ivanka, it. top White House advisor. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Marketing for a brand following calls for boycotts after Goya's CEO heaped praise on Trump last week on your dime in the middle of a pandemic. It is they're sickening. selling beans. No, it's sickening. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate it. Are you, are you kidding me? Seriously, seriously. It is unreal. This is not left and right. This is reasonable, my brothers and sisters. The guy's sitting on the Resolute desk with a bunch of Goya products. <laughs> Un- it's no, it's unbelievable. You tell me how a president in the middle of a pandemic. It's, it's sad, actually. I yeah. find it actually sad. I find it sad that we're at this point in the world where this is what's happening. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like a joke. It is. It's It's really crazy. And again, like we mentioned this on the show, how come there are no more daily White House briefings on COVID-19. Mm-hmm. It was every day in the beginning, daily briefings, daily briefings. And now it's worse than ever, spiking. The trend has only been going up. It's not like it's been going down at all whatsoever, in America at least. I mean, here in Canada, it's it's way, way down. But in in the States, it's way up. Nope, they stopped the briefings Anyway, it's. Do you think this will get um, Democrats to actually go out and vote? I mean, mm, it seems not. to me that Trump is really trying to rub it in people's faces what he's able to get away with. Like, look at me. Well, I'm he's just doing whatever the fuck I want. I'll just do whatever I want. He can. He gets away with it. I don't know. It's so. It's actually insulting to all the people that are suffering, the citizens in the United States that are suffering right now and having a difficult time with this pandemic and COVID-19 and suffering and dying and family members and everything. And he's just acting like a, such a douchebag. Whoa. That's right. Hot takes from Jen Grant. <laughs> political rants. Followed by a giggle. I'm really taken seriously. You should start a segment, political grants with Jen Rant. <laughs> um, Simon just said as a side, when, when we weren't sure what he had commented, he said, I was referring to the story Julian told me on my podcast about... Rene Dupree. 
Oh, and right. And he offered Julian to uh, follow him in the U.S. and become his manager. Missed opportunity right <laughs> out of high school. Doug says, this is so crazy. Trump is truly entertaining. Total scammer. He is already raising campaign funds through these. And he said, Trump is unreal. It's true. He said, abuse of the power of power to the next level. Josh says, hey, Josh, how truly broken is that system? Yeah, it's fucked. So glad to be in Canada. Yeah, we're very, very lucky. Hey, can I just say, like, I can't believe how we can just chat and chat and chat. Do you know that it's already five to eight? What the heck? Windbag McGillicuddy's. (laughs) All right, on that note. Daily Dose, Daily Dose. Get the news from coast to coast. Daily Dose, Daily Dose. All your news from coast to All coast. All the news and the headlines from Jim Grant. Yeah. A little uh, switch up there. What was that? Uh, I just ran. You'll oh, did you? See, you'll see on the delay. <laughs> I don't know if you're watching, but. Um, no, I'm, well, I'll get in here. Uh, here's your daily dose for Thursday, July 16th. Oh, happy birthday to my sister, Mary Jo. It's her birthday. I don't think she's watching. None of my friends and family watch this, but uh, <laughs> your friends do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just back home, like uh, you right. know, Rick and Lara and those guys. Nobody, but whatever. It's all right. It's not for everybody. No, no, no. It's not just that too. Don't you find that your like friends don't actually? It's it's fine because if it was only friends, you'd wonder if it was actually good. Yeah. No. No. Of course. So well, yeah. actually, when the, the, your friends don't watch, you're like, oh, is this actually good? <laughs> Here's your daily dose. Here we go. So um, I don't know if you're following this story, but do, have you heard about Ghislaine Maxwell? Ghislaine. Oh, shit. Ghislaine Maxwell. Yes, I have. Closely. I didn't even know that's what how her name was Well, pronounced. I know. I mean, I've known that name, that spelling. It's Ghislaine. I didn't make the connection. Shoot. We always say Ghislaine in uh, I know. French, Ugh. but uh, she pronounces it Ghislaine it's Maxwell. It's maybe because she's from the UK. Yeah, maybe. Ghislaine. Ghislaine. So, 58-year-old Ghislaine Maxwell is fa- facing charges. I mean, if you're like me, I don't really watch the news very often, so it's kind of funny I'm doing a news segment on our show, Uh, but I am enjoying it, but I don't really keep up on a lot of the stories, so uh, if you don't know about these stories as much as I do, then this might be interesting for you. So she is uh, facing charges, just to do a quick recap, she helped recruit girls to be abused by convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein, who died last year. Appearing via video link in a New York courtroom Tuesday, Maxwell, in a plain brown t-shirt, was denied bail after pleading not guilty to six criminal counts, four related to transporting minors for sexual assault and two for perjury. So I don't know how much you know about this. You, I guess you've been following it closely, Jules. Yeah, big time. I mean, do you know she was born into privilege and was daughter of a British newspaper magnet. Yeah, okay. And she met Epstein in New York in the 90s and throughout the years hung out with uh, the the lovely Trump we were just talking about, Mm -hmm. uh, former President Bill Clinton and Prince Andrew. And then there's that... um, She had an affair with Clinton, actually. Oh, did she? Yeah. Wow. Clinton. When was that? Around the time? Oh, yeah, the 90s. Around that time? With, uh, whatchamacallit, what's her name? Monica Lewinsky. Yes, thank you. Mm. Mm. 
So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. So, um, Guillen Maxwell was good friends with Guylaine. Prince. What? How did I? How did you say your name? You just said it French. Guillen Maxwell. Uh, <laughs> how do you say your name? Ghislaine. 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 She was good friends with Prince Andrew. Um, he really supported her during the time after her father died, and that's why they were so close. And then I guess you know about Virginia, um, the one of the accusers, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Do you, can you want to pronounce her name as well? Uh, Gifri? No. Mm. Gifra? Gif? Anyway, so she was seven. Do you know about this? Yeah, I think so. She was. He's he. So Prince Andrew was accused. Um, yeah, the seventeen-year-old. He's yeah. been seen with uh, in pictures. He's like, yeah. that's not me. Yeah. yeah. And so she says that when she was seventeen years old, that um, Maxwell actually. See, I'm not even saying her first name. <laughs> um, <laughs> was uh, basically forced her to have sex with Prince Andrew, seventeen years old. Yeah, she was really uh, Epstein's kind of right-hand person that would uh, recruit right. young girls for for these creeps. Unreal. On uh, his his island and, and on Lolita Express, she would groom them and recruit them. And So crazy. So, so crazy. It's surprising it took this long to arrest her. Honestly. Yeah, and it's hard to believe this shit really happens. Mm-hmm. Activist and journalist Conchita Sarnoff traveled in the same social circles as Maxwell and Epstein dating back to the 90s. She said the last time she saw her was at an event in New York in 2005, but t- Sarnoff is an advocate against human trafficking. In two th- So I guess a lot of people obviously didn't know what was going on. In 2008, she learned about Epstein's 18-month sentence on two charges of soliciting a minor for prostitution. She started looking into the case and got a copy of the arrest documents, Sarnoff said she immediately called Maxwell, who was mentioned in them. She said to her, I don't know if you've seen the documents, but you need to hire the very best lawyer because the accusations are serious. And I guess Maxwell's reaction was like shocking to her because she said, oh, she was really nonchalant, didn't really care, thought it was like no big deal, made light of the of the issue. Anyway... She fell out with uh, Sarnoff, this activist, fell out with the pair and then went on to write a book. And um, uh, as everyone knows, even I do, even though I don't, don't follow news, Epstein committed suicide in jail in August 2019. He was awaiting trial on new charges that he sexually exploited dozens of girls and women from 2002 to 2005. Anywho's so... Um, Epstein, following her his arrest in 2018, Maxwell went into hiding. She was arrested on July 2nd at her estate in New Hampshire, which she bought late last year under a pseudonym and in an all-cash transaction. That's interesting. She uses a fake name. Like, this is all, like, uh, movie shit, right? Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, uh, big time. And, like, imagine paying for this ginormous house in cash. Like, what was the seller thinking? Oh, probably nothing shady happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a bag of money. Who is she? Who does she think she is? Tony Soprano? <laughs> Maxwell's lawyer argued... Way more powerful than Tony Soprano, but go ahead. <laughs> Maxwell's lawyer argued she is a scapegoat and during the bail hearing said she is not the monster made out in the media. Two of her accusers asked the court to keep her detained while awaiting trial, including Annie Farmer, who said she's a danger. Um, and must be taken seriously. She's a sexual predator who groomed and abused me and countless other children and young women. 
The trial is scheduled for July 2021. So I guess she's going to have to wait in prison yeah. until for another year. She's denied bail. She was denied bail and will be in jail for the next year, prison for the next year, which is a way to get her to talk because mm. she's got a lot of information on a lot of people if, if any right. of this is true, allegedly. Wow. A lot of powerful people she knows uh, dirty secrets. Same as uh, Jeffrey Epstein, which is why his suicide is like one of the most easily believable conspiracy theories by people that don't even believe in conspiracy theories usually, but because he knew all this information on, you know, powerful politicians and business people. So she's in the same position. So they denied her bail because she's clearly a flight risk. And... um, I guess also since Jeffrey Epstein went to prison, she's moved a few times a month uh, since hmm. just to keep... Keep moving? Yeah. Keep uh, hidden? So I think uh, they're keeping her... They're, they've denied her bail and um, made her her trial so far away to put pressure on her to talk because she's lived a life of extreme privilege. Do you really think she's going to handle being in prison for a year? Yeah. So well, it'll at this be point, she might as well talk. She's, she's well, that's screwed. The point. She's well, screwed, yeah. Well, they and just have her on a charge from the 90s or anything. They're, they've held off so far on mm-hmm. other charges. She faces a maximum penalty of 35 years in jail. Right. But you news. Um... I sent you a picture if you wanted to share for this next story. Sure, Gen Z. A dolphin woman is warning other outdoorsy Manitobans to be careful after she was hit in the face by a startled black bear. A dolphin woman? No, dolphin. Oh. While running in Riding Mountain National Park on Monday afternoon. Picture that. Wouldn't that be just like absolutely terrifying? Erin McKenzie and her dogs were on the Moonlight Moon Lake Trail in the park about 250 kilometers northwest of Winnipeg running a 10 kilometer loop she does regularly she was climbing up a steep hill with her four dogs a few feet ahead without leashes um all of a sudden a black bear just came ripping out of the bush right in front of me maybe about a foot away Hmm. it was clearly spooked as was I the bear took a swing at her face cutting Hmm. her deeply and then swiped at her back before taking off (gasps) It's not working, the picture. Oh, shoot. Because it's a picture of her face and she's got a cut. Do you see it? It just downloads this thing for some reason. Uh, maybe it I'll try to... keeps downloading this WEPD file or something. I don't know. Anyway, she's got this big swipe on her uh, going down the middle of her face. I really thought I was going to die when the bear was hitting me. That was extremely terrifying. I've never been that close to a bear of any kind or any kind of predatory animal like that. All I could see was blood pouring down my... Imagine how terrifying. Hmm. Her dogs weren't injured. So she's got this cut like like, um, next to her eye on her left, the side of her nose. It could have been a lot worse. Like what if that... Well, what if it you know, ripped her skin off or even went in her eye. She's really, really lucky. She says she'll think she'll have a scar from her encounter, but she does feel very lucky to be alive. Um, She had to hike about five kilometers back to her car. Can you imagine after that, after the bear swiped her face where her boyfriend met her in the parking lot and drove her to the hospital? This is best I can do. I can zoom in the message. The cuts on her back are fairly superficial, 
but the one on her face is quite deep and there's a risk of infection. She said, I think that what I'll just be left with is a pretty ugly looking scar. Hmm. Anyway, um, human and wildlife safety is the utmost importance to Parks Canada. They, I guess they have a response to, um, to what has happened. They said that human and bear interactions have been higher than normal this year. A government agency uh, said among other tasks, oversee, they oversee wildlife. Last week, three bear cubs were orphaned after their mother was shot trying to get into a house just northeast of Winnipeg. Part of the problem is things that attract bears, such as bird feeders. Oh, that's interesting. Bird seed can attract bears as well as birds. And with other food sources plentiful for birds in the summer months, people are asked to put feeders away until later in the fall. Hmm. That's good to know. Yeah. Said how to be bear safe. He says, uh, bears generally prefer to avoid people. However, encounters between bears and people do occur. To reduce the risk of bear encounter while hiking, they say call out, clap, or sing loudly, especially near streams, dense vegetation, and berry patches on windy days and in areas of low visibility. Always carry bear spray. Uh, watch for bear, fresh bear signs, tracks, droppings, diggings, da-da-da. Keep dogs leashed at all times or leave them at home. Dogs can provoke defensive behavior in bears. Larger groups are less likely to have a serious bear encounter. Anyway. You should you should walk through the woods clapping and doing your uh, German impression. Yeah, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. The dog's freaking out. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, here's some good news. Yay. So a boy has finally found his forever dad. So there's this... Um, this boy named Tony uh, Mutabazi. His childhood hasn't been easy. After his birth parents gave him up for adoption, he spent a few years in foster care system before being adopted at four years old. But those parents left him in a Charlotte, North Carolina hospital when he was 11. Can you imagine? Mm. And never returned. What do you mean? The, his adoptive parents that took him in when he was four. Just left him at a hospital? Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. And then a few days later, Peter Mutabazi received a call from foster care worker Jessica Ward requesting that he take Tony for the weekend. Peter, who had already been a foster parent for three years, knew he had to do more after hearing Tony's story. By that time, I was crying, he said. I thought, who would do that about Jeez. the parents that left him? Once I knew the parents' rights were signed off and he had nowhere to go, I knew I had to take him. I had the room, the resources, so I had no reason to let him go. Peter has been cheering up Tony ever since watching movies, playing board games, reading and talking, taking him cycling. In November 2019, he made it official and adopted the teen and uh, has now become his dad. Wow. Aw, cute. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's your Daily Dose for today. And I want to apologize to our Apple, Google, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Listeners, for some reason, our audio cut off right there. We continued the show for another 15, 20 minutes, took some comments, we sang some songs. So to check out the rest, be sure to like the Facebook page and check out the live video that's up there now. Go to facebook.com slash Julian Dion Show or search The Julian Dion Show on Facebook. Once again, we apologize for that. I don't know what happened. The recording was there. I don't know. I accidentally cut it. I, I, I don't know. 
I don't know what happened. So go on Facebook if you want to check out the rest of the episode. Until tomorrow, everybody, have a great day and watch your head.